0: toll-free talk line and you can email me dod at newstalk1130.com or you can follow me on facebook and twitter at dan O'Donnell show and you're going to want to do that in case you missed a spectacular interview with sheriff david clark spectacular not because of the questions but because of the answers that the sheriff in his typically candid no-nonsense manner gave about the issue of crime in milwaukee particularly focused on the death of six-year-old Justin Evans Jr. By the way, in that case, Milwaukee police say they are making progress. Hopefully, we will see an arrest soon. And heartbreaking new details from, I believe it was Channel 12. You'll have to forgive me. I don't have the story up on my computer right now. The details on this case are just, they will break your heart. And as I said yesterday, because I have a six-year-old boy, And it was funny, we were uh, playing last night, and my older son had a friend over, and apparently my older son was calling my younger son uh, stupid and not cool, and my younger son wanted to borrow a pair of my sunglasses so he could look cool in front of his big brother. So he had a backwards hat, sunglasses, and he brought out his older brother's skateboard to try to look cool. I took a picture of him, and he looks like an early 90s cool kid stereotype. But what's so heartbreaking about the death of Justin Evans Jr. is that could have just as easily been my little boy Chris, could have just as easily been him, according to Channel 12, crawling back to his grandmother's porch to die, looking at his aunt and appearing to mouth goodbye, or looking up and trying to say goodbye with his very last breaths. You'll have to forgive me if I don't get incredibly angry that this sort of stuff can happen in my hometown, that this sort of stuff can happen in a city that I am so proud of. Whenever I talk to people from out of state, whenever I talk to the people with Fox News that I deal with, when I report for Fox News Radio, how great Milwaukee is, how wonderful Milwaukee is, and then have to report stuff like this. We'll get into that later on in the show But right now, there is a rather unfortunate meme going on. Uh, The liberal intelligentsia is very concerned that Republicans are forcing John McCain back to Washington to vote, and they may kill him so that they can kill millions of other people with their health care bill. Not coincidentally, Democrats have unveiled their uh, election year strategy their electoral strategy, their message, their slogan for winning back the Senate, winning back the House in 2018, it is, are you ready for this, a better deal. They want a better economy because they wrecked that. They want better health care because, yes, they wrecked that too. And now you have senators, including Bernie Sanders, the far-left darling, tweeting out yesterday that this disaster needs to be fixed, and it's on the Republicans to do so. Excuse me, this disaster is Obamacare. A better deal is repealing Obamacare. So Democrats are really going to run on the notion that we screwed everything up, So now we need to be voted back in power so we can fix our own mistakes. And how? Well, with more government. Five senators now, including Senator Sanders and Wisconsin's own Tammy Baldwin, have come out and said the only way to go forward is what? Universal single-payer care. And this is why today's vote is so important. If Republicans cannot repeal what was always intended to be a first step towards single payer, Democrats have made it abundantly clear that what they're going to do, because President Trump is right, and every Republican who predicted this was right, the Obamacare markets are collapsing under their own weight. This is simply an unworkable system. I've always believed that the point was to essentially bankrupt all but a few select insurance companies and then have those insurance companies partner with the federal government to administer single-payer care what was thrown as a monkey wrench into this system was the election of donald trump it was always just assumed that hillary clinton would succeed barack obama there was no way that she could lose democrats would continue to hold at least a slim majority in the senate then of course The Republicans won the Senate back in 2014 and what was something of a surprise. I think people believed that Republicans would do well but didn't have the strength nationwide to win back the Senate. Then nobody predicted, nobody, and I mean nobody, predicted the election of Donald Trump. This threw off the plan. And if Republicans don't get this done, and I believe if they don't get this done this year, sooner rather than later it won't get done. The reality is simple. They have one chance through the process known as reconciliation to get a bill passed without a Democratic filibuster. Democrats have made clear that the only thing that they stand for is not a better deal or any sort of deal. It's no deal with the Republicans, with Trump, with even pretending to allow them to govern. They have at every step Of this new Congress at every step of this new presidency obstructed. So much so that President Trump had significant delays in getting cabinet secretaries confirmed because Democrats simply wouldn't show up to hearings, wouldn't allow a quorum to be present, and wouldn't allow, therefore, these nominations to move out of committee. And believe me, if they still had the power to filibuster nominations, they would have they're using the exact same techniques on every piece of legislation they will filibuster they will do whatever is possible to stop it dead in its tracks there is a golden opportunity here through budget reconciliation to get the bulk of obamacare repealed this is why i have no tolerance for senators like mike lee for senators like rand paul to grandstand on this issue and say well this isn't a repeal at all. They know full well what the budget reconciliation process entails. They know full well that the things that they are talking about, the job-killing regulations, the what they call the heart of Obamacare, can't be put into a reconciliation bill that is not allowed under the rules of budget reconciliation. So if there are no votes from Republicans, I hate to say it, But the president, in his speech yesterday, was absolutely correct. Those are votes for keeping Obamacare. And this is why that simply can't work. I've gone and found how much premiums have risen for individual market-based plans from 2013 to 2017. In every single state in the nation premiums have gone up significantly. In a number of states, they have gone up as much as 200%. Here in Wisconsin, the average monthly premium before Obamacare was fully implemented in 2013 was $266 per month. Right now, in this state, the average premium is $514 a month. That's an increase of $248, or 93%, above the pre-Obamacare rate. In real dollars, that means the average person is spending an additional $2,976 per year on health care. A far cry from what was promised. We're going to
2: work with your employer and lower premiums by $2,500 per family per year.
0: Remember how frequently that promise was made. A system where we're going to work with your employers to lower your premiums by up to $2,500 per family per year. But across the nation, in 39 states that have plans through healthcare.gov, The average premium rose from $232 per month to $476 per month. An increase of $244 per month, a 105% increase, and a per-year average increase of almost the exact same number that President Obama promised would be a decrease, an increase of $2,928 per year. We
2: will start by reducing premiums by as much as $2,500 per family.
0: In Alaska, the average price of a premium per year is $8. Thousand three hundred and sixty-four dollars more than it was before Obamacare.
2: Here's what changes: saying to people who already have health insurance and the employers who are
0: providing it will work to lower your premiums by up
2: to twenty-five hundred dollars
0: per family per year. Well, in North Carolina, those premiums have increased by about double that twenty-five hundred dollar decrease that was promised, an average of five thousand sixty-four dollars per year, an increase of 176% on health care premiums before Obamacare. I also
2: have a health care plan that would save the average family $2,500 on their premium.
0: In Oklahoma, the average family is now paying $4,968 more than that family was paying before Obamacare was implemented in 2013. And if you
2: already have health care, then we're going to reduce costs... Uh, an average of $2,500 per family on premiums.
0: In Arizona, the average increase per year, $4,800. We're going to work with your employer to lower the costs of your premiums by up to $2,500 a year. In Alabama, the average increase per year, $4,064. And we'll
2: cut the cost of a typical family's
0: health care by up to $2,500 In no state on the Obamacare marketplace did premiums go down. In three different states, they have gone up by 200% or more. In more than a dozen states, they have more than doubled since the implementation of Obamacare. And
2: if you've got health care, we're going to
0: work with your employer to lower your premiums by $2,500 per family. Per year. In fact, in every state save for New Jersey, which only saw twelve percent premium increases, states saw more than seventy percent increases in their premiums after Obamacare was implemented. And we will
2: lower premiums for the typical family by
0: twenty five hundred dollars a year. The reality is that the only reason That people are talking about how many people would be pushed off of Obamacare with the passage of the Republican health care plan pushed off of health insurance is increasing the number of the insured is literally the only promise that was kept by Obamacare. Remember, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. How many people were forced off of their plans because they simply didn't comply with the brand new Obama Cadillac plan mandates? How many people suddenly found their doctors out of network because of the dramatic changes in those plans? And even liberals can't be honest about how many people would see a loss of coverage if this plan passes. Avik Roy, who is with the Manhattan Institute, I believe. He's been writing in Forbes and has done a spectacular analysis. The number is 22 million, but 73% of those people who would be, quote, losing coverage would do so voluntarily because at the crux of Obamacare is an oppressive mandate that forces someone to purchase a product even if they have no need or no desire to do so. This runs fundamentally, diametrically opposed to the free market principle that one is free to purchase or not purchase whatever product he or she wishes. For the first time in American history, a product is essentially mandated. And no, this isn't like car insurance. There is no precondition for purchasing. In other words, if you don't want to drive a car, you don't have to buy health insurance or car insurance. If you want to live, you have to carry health insurance. It's fundamentally unconstitutional. And yes, I do believe the Supreme Court got it amazingly unequivocally wrong, not to mention the fact that this has dramatically increased taxes and thrown so much chaos into the job market and into America's economy because of all the changes to Obamacare and all the uncertainty surrounding how much healthcare was going to cost on a month-to-month basis, let alone a year-to-year basis. Under the Obama administration, and probably for the primary reason of this uncertainty, the economy never grew at a greater than 3% rate. Barack Obama was the first president in American history for whom that happened. There was a takeover of about a sixth of this nation's economy, which essentially amounted to a wealth redistribution scheme because of this dramatic increase in Medicaid, which put tremendous burden, tremendous strain on the federal budget, as well as state budgets, even with even those states that took the Medicaid expansion and are now desperate to keep it. This is at the fundamental heart of the disagreements over the Obamacare repeal and replace bill now. How much of that Medicaid expansion do we want to keep? But at the heart of this bill is a repeal of Obamacare. And it is the best that can be done working through the constraints of reconciliation. A yes vote is imperative. Because if you thought the increases between 2013 and 2017 were great, just imagine what they'll be from 2017 to next year. An untold factor in Hillary Clinton's loss, stunning loss, to Donald Trump last November was the fact that in October, new Obamacare rates were published. And guess what? They were a dramatic increase over 2015. That... That influenced far more voters, folks, than did a Russian hack of John Podesta's emails. Politically and on policy, this is a yes vote that simply has to be cast. 799 1130 838-9476. Tony, on the east side, you're on WISN. Hiya, Tony. looks like we don't have tony so i'll tell you what we're going to take a break we'll try to get to more of your phone calls i also have a ton of other stuff i want including a blockbuster report from our own mark belling yesterday afternoon that might just end this wisconsin gubernatorial race before it begins you're listening to the dan o'donnell show (laughs) Dan O'Donnell, News Talk 1130 WISN. Massive, huge, world-changing vote going on right now. No, not on Obamacare. My phone is blowing up as my fantasy football league is attempting to determine whether we should add a flex player to our existing roster of a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, kicker, and defense. My vote is for no, by the way, Armin, because there are 12 players and it's a PPR league. And I say the the pickings get pretty darn slim if you're adding another player. In fact, our work league, isn't that 12 players? It is, 12 players. With a flex, right? Yes, we have a flex, yeah. And who did we have to, we had to start some dogs, didn't we? Well, yeah, but you know, you could say that that determining skill between players is who can get the king of the dogs. All right, Armin, All right. you're fired. You you have to support me 100%. It's a, it's a, it, we're tied at five votes apiece now, so we're waiting for the is other McCain, two is guys. Ma- is McCain going to come and vote on that? McC- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes, McCain is coming back from cancer to vote on my fantasy football. Oh, my gosh. I, just, I, I thought that was funny. It's that time of year, and yes, I'm assuming we will as the season gets closer. Since I am obsessed with fantasy football, I'm in like four leagues. Every year. There's this one, another one with my high school buddies, another one, Armin, here at uh, work. We have a... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, VTW group, prohibited by law, see terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At US Border
0: Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov/careers. Most of the guys from the Big Nine Twenty, a couple sales guys, and uh, me, and then I'm in one with my neighbor. So yes, I am a little obsessed. So you'll have to bear with me. This is this is going to be the first football season that I've done a talk show. So I'm going to have to fight the urge each and every day. To just say, nuts to this, I'm talking fantasy football. (laughs) There is a huge vote on the Senate floor today about whether to open up debate on the Obamacare bill. And this this notion that Democrats have that Republicans don't even have a bill, we don't even have a bill that we're going to vote on is utter nonsense. First of all, they are going to use as framework the repeal and replace bill that got to... 48 votes i believe it was there were four official defections there are a number of different bills from which they can pick and my gut says they use as a starting point if they can't get to consensus on the senate's bill they start with the house's bill see what this does what you have to understand about senate procedure is there are on each bill two votes one to open up debate it's a it's a different process than in the house and it's a more laborious process because you add into it the filibuster this is the vote on which a filibuster can take place technically i guess a filibuster can take place on the second vote but it always occurs in practice on the first vote which is to open up debate once debate is opened The Senate begins the process of adding amendments, of making statements about the legislation being discussed, and ultimately getting to a position on the floor where they can take a final vote about passage. After the bill passes the Senate, if it is at all different from the bill that passed the House, which it assuredly will be, Members of the House and members of the Senate get together in what's called a conference to iron out the differences, reconcile the bills, and then it's basically a formality. But both the House and Senate then vote again on the amended bill, and it goes to the president to sign. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how a bill becomes a law. I feel like I probably should have sung that to be a little bit more like Schoolhouse Rocks, but this is the process that goes on. So this is an important step. And if Republicans can't get past this step, they're going to have to go completely back to the drawing board on Obamacare repeal and replace legislation. And the window is closing on being able to use reconciliation on this budget bill. Remember, this is the 2017 budget bill. Once the new budget is passed, I believe they can't go back and pass a reconciliation bill on a prior budget because that budget certainly after the fiscal year is done. You can't go back and say, oh, by the way, we're going to reconcile that budget for a past fiscal year. I believe the rules. and Don't quote me on that because it's been a while since uh, I read these rules. But the time is now. And I don't believe that there is the political will to repeal Obamacare in an election year. And this is the sad reality of American politics. And we can have a different discussion about the notion of the permanent campaign that basically renders senators and especially members of the House impotent every two years because they have to stand for reelection. But now is the time. Kim in Delafield, you're on WISN.
1: I don't know if the American people can handle the truth, but what I've seen is the truth is that Obamacare needs to be repealed. The reason is, it is the systematic elimination of people by implanting microchips into them, and then they are radiated in their own homes, wait, places that work, from their automobiles. It is a plan, an evil scheme.
0: And okay. yes, now Kim, Kim, I gotta tell you, I'm assuming this. Crazy, I'm assuming this not not is. Sad. I'm assuming this is satire because we were talking about the microchip story satire. yesterday. You're, I'm you're crazy. not. All right, Armin, Armin, you're coming on the air to answer for this one. Because we got, now, Kim, I want you to talk to, hold on a sec, hold on a sec, Kim. I want you to tell, I want you to talk to Armin. Hold on a sec, Kim, hold on a sec. sec. I'll let you spit your crazy in just a little bit, okay? I want you to tell Armin, I know, I know, I'm sure you get tired of saying I'm not crazy because I'm taking a wild guess you say it all along. How many microchips, actually, I want to know, hold on a sec, Kim. Kim, I want to ask you about your theory. How many microchips have been implanted?
1: I don't know, but I can tell you this. They implanted two with me, and both of two them did my will.
0: Oh, God. Dare I ask where they implanted them?
1: Yes. One was implanted when I had, uh, they said, fibrocystic breast disease, which is non-cancerous, and they insisted.
0: i putting an implant.
1: by On my right breast, but I had no. <laughs>
0: okay, where's the other one? Where's the other one?
1: The other one they put in when I, I had a crown fall out of my. Oh, um, God, it's in your teeth. Tooth. Right, and they implanted it somewhere by my ear,
0: and it vibrates. So, wait, 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 wait. So, when you had a crown put in, it's somewhere, it's somewhere, oh, I see, it's somewhere in the back of your mouth by your ear. Okay, so what are these implants, I want to know, what do these implants do, Kim?
1: Well, they called it the marker, and they said, well, this is in case you ever get cancer
0: someday. Are you Um, sure, are you sure this wasn't? I mean, did you ha- do you have any missing time that you can't explain? Have you ever seen, like, woken up in the middle of the night and seen a bright flash and small bodies standing at your bed, and then you can't remember the next, like, five hours? No, but I no. can tell okay.
1: you that. Light, I lit up, my house lit up. I have an eyewitness... <laughs> Who saw the house oh, no. that was with us? Wait,
0: wait, wait. So if this might not actually, you might not be able to blame this on Obamacare. It might actually be, I mean, I'm not and saying it's aliens, but it's aliens.
1: Obama was trying and all of, a lot of the Republicans and the Democrats <laughs> know that across the country, people are being eliminated. Look oh, at what happened with them finding.
0: <sighs> all right. Okay. Hold on. Hold on a sec, Kim. Should I take calls on whether this is entertaining and I should keep it going? Because I'll be honest with you, this is actually kind of funny. Armin, I want, you're coming on the air. What did she say to you when you were screening this call? She said, uh oh, this I want to talk about why Obamacare should be eliminated. She didn't talk about why no, people are being eliminated. Okay. Not, no, Dan, this is what she said. It's right there on the
1: screen. You see it? I see it. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I I can I do my best. All right,
0: Kim. I what? got
1: the skills to survive. What's that? That's the whole point is it's it, we're losing our freedoms one by one. Well,
0: we I, I will give you this, Kim. I'm going to end it here. We are losing our our freedom. I would say it's more about the constitutional principle of individual liberty that was sort of trounced upon by the forcing by the government of purchasing a product. But also it might also be the the <laughs> The Obamacare implants. <laughs> oh, Armin, I would be—you know—normally I would be mad at you, but that was just way too funny. Michael in Menominee Falls, please for the love of all things holy, save this segment. Hi, Dan. Great job. Thank you. Um, I was, I Except your, uh, for the last
4: five on, minutes. On, on
0: the, <laughs> I love your part. I love your talk about the uh,
4: increasing cost.
0: Thank so. you. Thank you.
4: The point—the point that I wanted to make was uh, two of. Obamacare's, you know, primary uh, points, you know, to improve were it was going to cover more people, right? And cover more conditions. You know, yeah, yeah. Cover millions more people and, you know, more conditions, you know, like pre-existing blah, blah, blah. That kind right. Of the thing. But the point I'm making is I don't hear anybody asking, none of our politicians should be asking an economical question. How can you possibly do those things and not expect costs to go up?
0: Well, that's the thing. They always knew costs were going to go up. And the, th- the problem that I have fundamentally with Obamacare is, A, the constitutional issue, but B, Michael, thank you very much for <laughs> adding a little bit of gravity <laughs> to this discussion. I- I'm sorry. This is just – this is funny <laughs> to me. Other than the constitutional issue, we were lied to for the better part of two years to get Obamacare passed. Every bit – About what was sold turned out to be a bill of goods. And this is why it is so important that nothing, nothing we were promised. I mean, Obamacare was supposed to solve the healthcare crisis. And now we're told, well, yeah, by Democrats, we need to change Obamacare, but we need more government intervention. Excuse me, government intervention. Ron Johnson has been doing a great job exposing this. Government intervention. Is one of the reasons that healthcare costs—in fact, I dare say—the biggest reason healthcare costs are sky high. There was a politifact that rated Johnson saying he's been saying back in the 1950s, 60s, American consumers, healthcare patients, paid roughly 67 cents of every dollar spent on healthcare. Now it's wrong. With lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. i.e. the government, with essentially an unlimited amount of money, unlimited amount of money, you have a system in which there are no market price controls. When the market is set, it's set by, in a free market, capitalistic society, it's set by what people are willing to pay for a good or service. Okay, It's set by the consumer. When the consumer is no longer feeling the full brunt of what's being paid, uh, for example, I had a small procedure done a few months back. I paid whatever my deductible was. I don't even think that met the deductible. The total cost of the procedure was like eight, nine thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. If I was forced to pay that or pay a significant portion of that, you'd better believe I'd be shopping elsewhere for a better deal. By pitting healthcare providers against one another, the market sets a price that is far lower and far more consumer friendly. We've seen the exact same thing happen with student loans. And actually, believe it or not, there was just a study out that after we Uh, froze the amount that the federal government was pitching into student loan programs. What do you know? College tuition was going down. More on this coming up. You're listening to The Dan O'Donnell Show. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM with Dan O'Donnell where we are taking your calls about your Obamacare microchip implants. <laughs> oh, Kim. <laughs> Kim made me laugh. Let's go back to the phones and talk to Matt in Green Bay. Hey, Matt, you're on WISN.
5: Hey, I actually just called up the bust Armand's chops. I called him to tell him that the Founding Fathers showed up as extraterrestrials in powdered wigs and wanted to make <laughs> amendments to the Constitution, but that's that's not really what I wanted to say. <laughs> as far as, the, as, far as the Obamacare is concerned, I can tell you my personal experience is: since this thing went down, uh, the cost of just doing basic, uh, like for example, I went to get a heart check a little while ago, and at the insistence of my doctor, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it'll cost fifty bucks." Right. This, that, and you know, I was Like the bill comes in. From all these different places, the, the sum total of the whole thing is like six, fifty, seven hundred dollars 700 and the, and the insurance companies are calling uh, covering anything. It's just they want the money up front, and then they want to deny the coverage in the back end, and now they're in cahoots with a government mandate. Good grief.
0: Well, and here's the thing. Of course, and I love I love what Democrats have been saying throughout this repeal process for the entire Well, insurance companies, why are they all in favor of keeping Obama? Because it's guaranteed money for them. Are you kidding me?
5: The second I saw that news clip where the heads of the major insurance companies were showing up at the Obama White House right. to go sit down with them, I was like, oh. Well,
0: because think about man. this. Think about this. Think about this, uh, Matt. If Walmart, let's say... Donald Trump is tight with the the Walton family that owns Walmart. Let's say that Trump passed a law that said everybody had to buy, I don't know, a garden hose at Walmart. Do you think Walmart would want that? Would Walmart want that law repealed? Would Walmart say, no, customers all of a sudden have a choice in whether or not they want to buy a garden hose from this company? Let's face it. There are far fewer places from which you can purchase health insurance then from which you can purchase a garden hose. And a garden hose essentially is subject to market forces. It's subject to where I want to buy a garden hose, who sells the best garden hoses, who sells the best garden hoses for cheap. I have tons of options. The other problem with Obamacare is that customers all over the country all of a sudden have no options. There are some parts of, is it Iowa? Yes, it's Iowa, that have one option, have one option health insurance provider that hasn't been forced out of the market by the onerous Obamacare restrictions. This is a fundamental problem. When you limit choice, you limit liberty. You limit freedom. And by necessity, when companies have essentially a monopoly, and then they're just fighting over government subsidies that won't ever go away, well, of course the prices are going to go up. The prices are going to go up most significantly for the government payors, but they're also going to, in a secondary role, increase our premiums, our deductibles, and this is exactly what we have been seeing. You're listening to The Dan O'Donnell Show on News Talk 1130 WIS. The next generation the next generation. Is here. The future is coming on, it's coming on, it's coming right. on, it's coming yeah. on, This it's is the Dan O'Donnell Show on News Talk 1130 WISN. And timing up for just a couple of more calls on Obamacare repeal and replace. Larry in Milwaukee, you're on the air. How you doing, Larry?
4: Good. How are you doing, Dan? Good. What's up? Great. Um, I love your segment, but I think you're missing a critical point. You talked about uh, the Democratic Party, how they've lied. The real culprits is the Republican Party, how they lied to us. And it, those about are the
0: passing Obamacare
4: culpable to this whole thing. I don't think they ever intended, ever intended, to uh, uh, replace and repeal Obamacare. Uh, they do not represent us anymore. I even hold uh, okay. Ron Johnson. Uh,
0: hold on a sec, Larry. Hold on a sec, Larry. You know they are voting today to open debate on this and that John McCain isn't going all the way back to Washington after a brain cancer diagnosis unless he thinks that the votes are there. I mean, I, I understand. I, I, I understand the I'm frustration.
4: This thing is repealed. And I will apologize, and I already called up Ron Johnson. I'll call him back and apologize.
0: All right, I want you to call up and apologize to all our listeners here. I will. I will. Please do, please do, because the idea that, okay, I understand the frustration here. I don't think people realize how long it took the Democrats to pass Obamacare. They were going well into, what was that, 2010, well into 2010, still working on getting the kinks out. They still had to use a uh, uh, reconciliation measure to get the thing passed fully and, and completely implemented. It wasn't fully implemented until 2013. Now, of course, this was to protect Obama from what they obviously knew was going to be an unpopular disaster. Uh, one more phone call before we go to break. Vicky in Waukegan, Illinois. You're on WISN.
6: Hi, Dan. Um, this is Vicky. I just can't quit you. I just <laughs> with you so much. But I listen every day.
0: You let you. admit, Vicky. Admit you listen for the microchip calls, right? You listen Absolutely. to hear other people Absolutely. with with so, microchip I'm implants. Talk
6: about myself. I know you don't have a lot of time, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Please. I've called you before.
0: Yeah, like, I, I, remember, I remember. I remember you're. You're a I'm liberal from kidding. Illinois. I, I know. Huh? You're a liberal Sorry. from Illinois. I gotcha. Yes. I remember you. When
6: I got laid off from my cushy corporate job in 2009 with great health care, I decided, you know what? Forget corporations. Became self-employed.
0: Amen. I'm a dog nice.
6: Trainer. I'm a dog trainer. Love it. Love it. But you know what? Health care, when I called the big one, 600 per month. Yeah. Dan, I'm as healthy as a horse.
0: A I man. know. Well, and this and
6: so, but Obamacare was 180, and then my premiums wait, 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 eighty percent to 240.
0: But wait a second, you said your your premiums when you it? left corporate America were 180, and now they're 600. That's Obamacare.
6: No, 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 no. It was 180 with
0: 180. oh, wonder when you were on a group plan. Okay, I gotcha.
6: Right, it was 180. My premiums did go up under Obamacare, eighty percent up to 240. Right. But they were six hundred for on the self- private market. What do we do? Well but wait, I guess the question I would
0: have, you, you you got an individual plan on the market and did it go down under Obama? It was six hundred dollars per month. When I
6: just called out of the blue. I okay. didn't want anything to do with Obamacare.
0: Well right. But okay, so t-
6: what blue cross blue Shield showed it. Uh, but
0: what's your what's your premium now? If it was six hundred dollars back then it's six hundred now?
6: No, it was 600 on the private market. Yeah. Once Obamacare uh, was passed, it was one. Judy
0: was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered com. It's
6: my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
6: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So
2: go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
6: Ch-ch-chumba.
0: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Baby, and it oh, okay. So I, see I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. The issue there is actually out. a very good one. Uh, and this is the, the, the self-employment uh, issue. You know what? Forget it. Armin. we're going to be a little late for for news because this is an issue. Thank you very much for the phone call, Vicki. I'm going to try to get to quickly, but I am going to get to here. Roughly 60% of small business owners do prefer an Obamacare repeal and replace. What this bill does, and on the private market, I'm not sure. Well, Vicki was in Illinois, and healthcare care uh, is infinitely more expensive than say here in wisconsin the idea that it was dropped precipitously i'm taking a wild guess that she had coverage that was subsidized i'm just i don't want to read too much into this and i'm sorry i wanted to keep vicky on but we're just we're running out of time here this was subsidized coverage the what the republicans are doing is for self-employed and small businesses and and all of this they're dramatically increasing. What this bill does, the House bill and the Senate bill both do, is dramatically increase the use of health savings account and dramatically increase the ability of people to essentially take their money and then pay tax-free dollars, like pre-tax dollars, money that isn't already taxed by the government to go to... Healthcare coverage and then here's the best part this is like a savings account it's basically like a supplemental 401k to sort of offset the cost i'll get into this a little bit more we do have to get to the break for news we also want to get to foxconn jeff sessions all of the good stuff and i know i know there are people who want to talk about their microchips i'll talk to you off the air that's my promise to you as armin said this is my life now 10 o'clock on a tuesday morning I'm talking about Obamacare microchip implants. You're listening to the Dan O'Donnell Now, conservative thought,
2: not just talk. This is the Dan O'Donnell Show on
0: News Talk 1130 WISN. Well, it's pretty clear that Donald Trump really, really, really does not like his attorney general. So much so. That he is now promising to implant a microchip in him so he can... (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't get past the microchips. Yes, for all those of you emailing, against my better judgment, we'll try to put Kim's call about the microchips and Obamacare up on Common Sense Central. If you didn't hear it, it is a pretty funny little bit uh, of radio, coast to coast with Dan O'Donnell. Uh, President Trump, in a couple of early morning tweets, saying, Attorney General Jeff Sessions has taken a very weak position on Hillary Clinton crimes. Where are emails and DNC server and Intel leakers? Then, problem is that the acting head of the FBI and the person in charge of the Hillary investigation, Andrew McCabe, got $700,000 from Hillary for... His wife. This is true. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, the governor of Virginia, Andrew McCabe's wife, was running for a state Senate seat. I believe it was state Senate. It might have been state assembly or state legislature. Whatever they call it out there, state general assembly. And McAuliffe, a key Clinton ally, was raising hundreds of thousands of dollars, raising a very clear conflict of interest for McCabe. But the issue. With Trump and Sessions stems from what Sessions perceived to be a conflict of interest in overseeing the Russia investigation. Sessions was one of the earliest supporters of Trump on the campaign trail. In fact, Sessions might have been the first senator to endorse Trump. He was on the Trump train so early that he was basically the conductor. And Trump rewarded that loyalty by giving Sessions a uh, prestigious position that Chris Christie, another loyal surrogate, some would say lapdog for Trump on the campaign trail, an attack dog when he threw himself in front of Marco Rubio to block Trump from very uh, real criticism ahead of the New Hampshire primary, effectively ending Rubio's chances uh, to be the last Republican standing to challenge Trump in the primary. Sessions got the AG gig. Sessions, although the left has attempted to smear him as a Trump toady, as, let's see, they kept saying Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions... When we were told for years, remember how racist it was if you said Barack Hussein Obama, but they insisted on calling him Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions to what? <laughs> Say he was a slaveholder? Like what? He owns a plantation? Like what? Are you, his middle name's Beauregard. I don't know. It's a southern name. Okay, yeah, he's from the south. He's a senator from Alabama. What did, what did you think his middle name was going to be? He was pilloried as, of course, a racist, as, of course, an awful human being. But one thing that was never really called into question was his integrity. He determined very early on that he would not be able to impartially oversee an investigation into the Trump campaign and its dealings with Russia because he was, for all intents and purposes, a member of the Trump campaign. Now, the idea that a conflict of interest can arise because of such connections has been obscured by the fact that the special prosecutor who is named is best buddies with James Comey, the fired FBI director who is now a complaining witness in the probe against Donald Trump. Comey is alleging very serious wrongdoing against Trump. The idea that he could be the key witness and have such a close relationship with the prosecutor is, to me, rather stunning. A prosecutor, if let's say, Armin, let's say another life. I'm an assistant district attorney. Armin was just mugged, all right? Armin was just beaten. And he was robbed. Armin and I have known each other for more than a decade. Armin and I are pretty darn good friends. Do you believe that I would be able to prosecute that case fairly? Or would I be looking for vengeance for my friend Armin? Would I prosecute that case more aggressively because I feel personally aggrieved that this defendant targeted my good friend? No. I would most likely have to recuse myself because of my very personal connection to the case. This is how the legal system works. Therefore, it is stunning to me that Bob Mueller thinks there's no conflict of interest here, that his best friend or his buddy buddy, his BFF, went from just a witness To, with the publication of this memo that Trump was pressuring him to to end the Russia investigation, he went from just a witness that would be interviewed, that would be talked to, to a complaining witness. To a witness who feels as though he was the victim of wrongdoing. You see how this is a fundamental issue. Sessions, because he apparently has more integrity than Bob Mueller. And yes, I know, we're not supposed to attack the credibility of Bob Mueller. His reputation is beyond reproach. He, by the way, has never answered questions about this very obvious conflict of interest. Sessions, when a conflict of interest probably existed, although I'm not sure how close a high-profile surrogate would be to the actual campaign. For example. A surrogate is somebody who simply, he's a high-profile guy or gal, and they go out and speak. They go out and, like, warm up the crowd before the candidate comes in. Are they privy to the inner workings of what's going on in that campaign? Well, maybe, but probably not. Sarah Palin was a very high-profile surrogate for Donald Trump. She came right before the Wisconsin primary and gave an, shall we say, interesting speech at serb hall that i helped MC with jay and vicky was she privy to what was going on in the inner workings of the campaign or did she just go out and speak on behalf of trump sessions felt that whatever relationship he had during the campaign meant that he couldn't fairly prosecute the russia investigation so he recused himself He also didn't tell Trump until about 10 minutes before the Justice Department sent a memo over to the White House or an email or whatever it was, phone call, and told the White House, Hey, by the way, uh, Sessions is recusing himself. He's leading the investigation. He's leaving the investigation to uh, Rod Rosenstein, who is the second in command. This infuriated Trump. Because Trump did not believe, Trump is operating on the assumption, I believe it's a correct assumption, that there was no wrongdoing. That there was very obviously no collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. Therefore, from Trump's perspective, what Sessions did to open up the investigation to this wide-ranging probe that Mueller is now engaged in, now looking at Trump's finances and all of these things that are only tangentially related to the russia collusion allegation trump saw that as a massive betrayal and first in an interview with the new york times from a week ago he said that if he had known that sessions was going to recuse himself from the investigation he would have never hired sessions in the first place of course this created a media feeding frenzy And Sessions was forced to answer the question the very next morning. He said, it's my pleasure to serve the White House. I endure the White House. Trump this morning, though, is doubling down on extremely harsh critiques of his own attorney general. In fact, I dare say we have not seen this, I don't think ever, this public display of no confidence in an attorney general. Now, I know people are going to call in saying this is a brilliant strategy to deflect attention away from the Senate's health care vote and to give the senators cover or this is all part of an elaborate plot to fire Bob Mueller as special prosecutor and all of this. I don't buy it. I believe this is another example in a long line of examples of the president being unable to keep his mouth shut. The president being unable to deal with personnel issues, to deal with personnel disagreements in private. And because he's got Twitter and because he's giving these freewheeling interviews with obviously hostile reporters at The New York Times, he is saying things that are throwing his administration into chaos you just had a very high-profile resignation. Sean Spicer on Friday, stepping down, or, or more accurately, was probably fired, asked to resign and, and save face so that Trump could uh, appoint Anthony Scaramucci. And to be fair, Scaramucci appears to be a much better fit, at least in the first couple of days for the Trump administration, than Spicer was. Spicer never seemed particularly comfortable explaining what it was that Trump was saying. But what Trump is saying here has a long-lasting effect. And now they're supposedly vetting Ted Cruz as attorney general, that they might name Cruz as Sessions' replacement. If you're Ted Cruz, would you want to work in that sort of environment? Would you want to run a department that you would be constantly second-guessed by the president of the United States? and that you would spend the vast majority of your time doing damage control because of what a president was tweeting about you or tweeting about your department? I understand the frustrations, and I even understand the desire to get them out in public. But for the president of the United States to be attacking his own attorney general, his own justice Department is not only unprecedented, it's foolish. Because it makes the president look childish, it makes the president look petty, and it makes the president look as though he can't find a single person. And now there are issues with the Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, keeping far too many Obama administration holdovers. Answer me this. Who would want to work for the Trump administration at this point? Why would you want to? If you know you could be the subject of a Trump tweet or a Trump press conference tirade, if you step out of line, why would you? I, 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 ju- I don't see what possible good this does. I will take your phone calls 799-1130, 1-800-838-9476. Uh, email dod at newstalk1130.com at Dan O'Donnell's show on Twitter and Facebook. I am sure I am going to take a lot of abuse from the diehard Trump fans who are convinced that this is part of some greater strategy. I am just unconvinced that there is at this point any strategy. Now, we saw yesterday good Trump putting the screws to the Republicans in the Senate, saying this is your last chance to pass Obamacare. If we don't pass Obamacare... It will be on us. It will be on you. Do the right thing. A vote against Obamacare repeal is a vote for Obamacare. That was a great press conference. It was great pressure. But instead of keeping that pressure up, all of a sudden he veers off into Jeff Sessions. It, it's a remarkable lack of discipline. It's a remarkable lack of messaging. And if you're a Republican senator looking at this and maybe are on the fence about the Obamacare repeal, Why? With an administration in this much dysfunction? I'm telling you, big problem here. Devin in West Dallas, you're on WISN.
5: Hey, Dan, thanks for having me on. Oh, my Um, pleasure. So I'm just enjoying the fact that liberals are are heads exploding because they're having to try to sit back and defend Jeff Sessions right now.
0: (laughs) That's a good point. That is a really good point. That's yeah. The guy, the guy who was uh, so racist that he was uh, refusing—what was it? He was refusing to prosecute civil rights abuses in the 1980s as a as a federal prosecutor, and he, I think, was attempting to personally resegregate the South. He was.
5: It was it, it's not even just the racial issues. I mean, they, they call him homophobic. They call oh him, yeah yeah
0: um, oh the war on drugs. Yep.
5: If it, if it wasn't Trump, they would be tearing sh- Sessions apart at any point. Now, I'm not a Trump fan, but I'm just, I'm enjoying the the, 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 the <laughs> There head is that. On this
0: one. There, there is that, Devin, and thank you very much. Anytime you, you see the liberal press reporting on a Republican civil war, it is funny to uh, hear them talk about how great a Republican is and, and what a paradigm of, of good morals and judgment. When just a few months earlier in his confirmation hearing, what was it, uh, Booker. It was Cory Booker. Senator Cory Booker actually stood up, and I believe for the first time in American history, blasted one of his colleagues in a confirmation hearing. Now, obviously, this was just grandstanding, and uh, Cory Booker, bless his heart, Cory Booker has been trying for years to jumpstart his 2020 presidential bid, and he's already getting overshadowed by Kamala Harris, the newcomer senator from California, Booker actually took to the floor of the Senate to blast his colleague about a year after Booker and Sessions worked together on a civil rights bill, or it was a bill honoring civil rights heroes, and he, we played the audio way back in January, February, whenever this was. And it was Booker just praising Jeff Sessions. And then, of course, he has to blast him, and now we've come full circle, and we're right back to blasting or praising Jeff Sessions because he is on Trump's, you know, what list? Gary and Kenosha, you're on WISN. Yeah.
2: Good morning, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I think that I would I would like to work for Trump. Uh, the point here being is that. You got a lot of deep state people and a lot of people that say they're going to do stuff, and then they go back on what they're saying, and Trump is not afraid to tell them and correct them and give them more direction. Oftentimes, we all say we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and then we lose direction, and then we have to be redirected again. And this is what he's doing. He's keeping them focused on
0: what they said. Well, don't you think, though, first of all— I understand what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. And I, I, I do absolutely believe the the deep state the the bureaucratic Washington what what people don't understand and and the term deep state has sort of been co opted by the left as oh this is a Republican conspiracy theory yeah. no the, the the overwhelming majority of people who work in the executive branch they're career bureaucrats they're not political appointments and since yeah. Washington and D C right and since Washington D C is about ninety percent Democrat by vote it stands to Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Chum- no purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. About 90% of those bureaucrats and federal government workers are more likely to be Democrats than anyone else, almost. They're almost all Democrats, all right? So they're working against Trump. But to call Jeff Sessions a deep state type, I think Jeff is Sessions's stretching. It.
2: People change all the time. I mean, Jeff Sessions and John McCain, they used to be really good for America. But you know what? They changed. John McCain used to be a Democrat. Now he's a Republican. He changed. Sessions used to be really involved, interested in doing what he said. But you know what? He's been co-opted, just like Paul Ryan. I
0: would, I would actually uh, argue, John McCain is always John McCain is always been. What's that? It's your free right to do that. Sure. Did you say I can't argue? (laughs) I mean, I. Other than the gratuitous shot at Paul Ryan, which came out of nowhere, I would argue John McCain has always been a Democrat. He just now calls himself uh, yeah, Republican. He, McCain, McCain, McCain. McCain boy, I don't want to get too far afield here. McCain has always lo- McCain realized relatively early in his political career that he got love from the media whenever he would blast his fellow Republicans. Yep. You are we, right, we are and bad. there is there is the issue of politicians going native. Right there is I, yep. I see absolutely nothing though I see absolutely nothing though in what Jeff Sessions has done in fact, uh, in terms of the aggressive prosecution done, of the war on drugs. Run. Right, but in terms of the aggressive prosecution of the war on drugs, a recommitment to fighting cybercrime, a recommitment to through the Justice Department enforcing borders. He has been a border hawk pretty What's much his entire career,
2: and uh, and Susan Rice. He's not, he's not going after Hillary do you Clinton.
0: Know what, do you know Is what Donald right Trump said? Wait, hold on a sec. Him. Hold on a sec. Right, he's not. Do you know what Donald Trump said, though, almost immediately after his election, when he was asked directly yeah. whether he would prosecute Hillary Clinton? He said he no. Said
2: that, he said that because he expected Sessions to take over for it.
0: No, he said that because he didn't want to keep America divided. This was a specific thing. No, it's it's not a difference of opinion. He specifically (laughs) said that. He said, well, she suffered enough. I don't want to prosecute my political enemies. And then to suggest that what Jeff Sessions should have prosecuted her anyway is sort of, so if Trump wants, okay, Trump now wants Hillary prosecuted. But he said very publicly and very famously he didn't want Hillary prosecuted. So now and
2: the Democrats kept going after him. Well, what do you want? Tit for tat is what we need here. If if President Trump made the peace offering, well, no, it's Democrats not. This isn't how going. this
0: isn't how prosecutions work. And I know we've gotten confused about this because of how Democrats have co opted prosecutions and investigations. Prosecutions exist when there is evidence for them to exist. Now. I personally agree Hillary Clinton probably should have faced prosecution. The FBI well, we can relitigate that. FBI Director James Comey said no, it didn't rise to the level of criminality. The Justice Department said no, we're we're not going to prosecute. Yes, I do believe that was a corrupt decision. But Trump said for the good of the nation, we're not going to prosecute our political enemies. We won the election, that's enough. For him to now go back and say, well, Jeff Sessions, I may have said that, I may have promised to the nation I'm not going to call for a prosecution of Hillary Clinton, but I want you to dig into that, is the height of hypocrisy. And to be perfectly honest with you, I would have to question the integrity of a president who gets in his own uh, investigative trouble. And then tries to deflect by saying, well, we're going to prosecute Hillary Clinton. Now, with respect to Susan Rice, that's a separate issue altogether. This notion of improperly unmasking, I believe she met with the Senate Intelligence Committee yesterday. She might be meeting with them today. It's not a public hearing. But that's part of a separate investigation. That's part of a separate thing than the Hillary Clinton email investigation, which fundamentally turns on an issue of uh, bribery and public corruption, whether those missing emails were in fact hiding massive corruption with the uh, uh, Clinton Foundation. But this sort of blanket defense, well, Sessions isn't prosecuting Hillary, so therefore he's in the wrong. I, I just don't buy. You know, Trump is very obviously upset because I think he expected Sessions to manage this investigation. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have a completely uh, illegitimate gripe here. Sessions, not telling the president until 10 minutes before, probably because he feared public retribution about this, because, you know, I'll tell you what, we're running late for a break. We will... We will be uh, coming back to take your phone calls I know there are a lot of callers who want me to stop ripping on Trump Stop ripping on Trump Fall in lockstep That's not what you're getting on this show 1032 Dan O'Donnell Conservative thought, not just talk. This is the Dan O'Donnell Show on News Talk 1130 WISN. As we go right back to the phones, we talk to Elizabeth in Mequon. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing? Fine.
3: Thank you for taking my call. And I do agree with you that Sessions is a good man, but I also agree that Donald Trump is an awesome president. And the reason why I say that is, is because he is standing for us, the people who voted him in there. Things were going on before, and they were kept secretly. He's bringing everything out. He doesn't have the help in Congress. He has us only. He's talking to us when these things happen. When he's tweeting, he's talking to us to let us know, because obviously no one else, the media, won't let us know. On the other hand, also, too, with Sessions, I think that was, uh, and you've, you've mentioned it over and over, that the 10 minutes, if he knew the law, why did he wait the 10 minutes? He was making a commitment. You're making mm-hmm. a commitment when you take
0: that part, you know. That, you campaign. know what, Elizabeth, that is actually an excellent point. And the, the, the fact that he gave absolutely no notice, I think, is uh, an admission that he knew Trump was going to be ticked off. Right, like he knew right. he was going to be publicly blasted at some point right and he did this incredibly quickly and he allowed a uh an assistant uh attorney general who he very likely knew was going to appoint a special prosecutor to take over though it is possible that he didn't know that Rosenstein was going to appoint a special prosecutor I agree. to investigate this the the issue that I have so I I'll be honest with you I um Don't fault Trump in being incredibly incensed at that. The issue that I have is you you generally deal with these things internally. And unless, unless there is a distinct strategy here... Which I doubt. And I'll be totally honest with you, just in in months of observing how the Trump administration has functioned and how it sort of has to scramble to explain the latest Trump tweet or the latest Trump statement that is just completely out there with the administration's messaging, I don't think that there is a real strategy here. And I think what's happening, and I firmly believe this, Elizabeth, that Trump is allowing his own frustration and anger to boil up, and he knows he's got a direct line to the American people. He knows that. That's a very powerful line. When you start griping about things like Mika Brzezinski's facelift and how Jeff Sessions isn't strong enough on this and and whatever other things that aren't advancing his agenda, because this is the paradox, Elizabeth, I get into with Trump. In terms of his executive orders, in terms of the way the law has been enforced in this country, the way in which the border has essentially been closed up just by the threat of enforcement. We have seen border crossing drop dramatically. Now, I know people are focused on the wall here and oh, the wall is still not built as though Rome was somehow built in a day. The Colosseum was built in a day. What Trump has been doing, the deregulation, the the getting America out of the disastrous Paris Climate Accord, where we would act as the piggy bank for the rest of the world, Neil Gorsuch appointing federal judges who are strict constructionists, all of this is great work. It's great work. But I fear as though in early morning moments where it's just him lying in bed with his phone, he is undoing that by allowing the press to go into feeding frenzy mode and cover things other than the great work that he's doing by giving them ammunition. Do you follow me there? Yes, I do
3: follow you there. And and and, and that could be a horse apiece too. That could also be a strategy, a strategy on his end also to take um you know, to to be able to do what he needs to do. Sure. But um i just wanted to let you know that um i i know that it's very hard you know for some people to understand how he conducts himself but you know what that's what got him in the white house because he's not afraid to say what comes
0: what that is that is something i do know elizabeth you're absolutely right hey thank you for the call that was a that was a very good call elizabeth and you can't argue with success. And this is what the president has been saying. Look, the people are with me. The people are clearly with me here. The problem is, as I see it, and I, I know we rejected the idea of a button down politician who only gives politician answers and only says politician things. The American people expect a different behavior set from a president than they do from a candidate. And that's just reality. There is a baseline expectation when we think of the office of the presidency of the United States. We put it on this pedestal because it is. It's the most powerful man in the country, the most powerful man in the world. And we expect him to represent the United States at all times with a certain level of composure, of decorum, and quite frankly, of class. And when you're publicly blasting your your own subordinates your own employees it gives the sense it gives the impression to the american people that their government which in their mind starts and ends with you the president is dysfunctional and they don't like dysfunction and i'll tell you what i'm one of them i don't like the idea that my government is dysfunctional joe and cudahy
7: yeah dan um the overview of all this which i'm going to point out to you is Donald Trump is a leader. He's a guy that led businesses, he's a leader, and he is the Harry Truman of our time. He does not care what he looks like politically, the media or whatever they have to say. Well, this man is out, hold on, this man is out to do the right thing for our country. He doesn't care what he looks like, just like Harry Truman. and I feel. On that premise alone, this man is a great president, and I don't care what the press says. They're, they're sure. no good to begin with, just like he pointed out, and he's called it like it is. We all agree, and this—I just, I just can't find a, a better president. Since Harry Truman, Ronald Reagan. I- okay,
0: hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Because uh, we, I'm sorry, Joe. I, I do have to interrupt this. Nothing oh, yeah, personal. It's we we got to get a couple of breaks in. Sure. You did mention Harry Truman a couple of times. What was Truman's very famous saying? He the had it on his desk. Stops here. Has the buck, buck ever stopped with Donald Trump? Don't
7: you think it does? Look at him. Look what he's
0: done. What, no, what the he's doing. What he's doing, Joe. Donald what he's Trump. doing. And this is the problem. This is the problem with publicly calling out Sessions. The buck isn't stopping with Trump. The buck is stopping with Sessions. You the see what I'm saying? Not- he's blaming Sessions. You know, he's he's saying, look, I have nothing to hide. There's nothing here with the Russia investigation. Yet, it's Jeff Sessions' fault that this is going on. You well, see what thanks- I'm saying? That's not the buck stopping here. That's the buck stopping with Jeff Sessions. I appreciate the call, Joe. We'll get, we'll get into this a little bit more on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Dan O'Donnell Show. Well, show News Talk 1130 WISN. Great scoop by our own Mark Belling yesterday, learning that Foxconn will announce Thursday afternoon at the Milwaukee Art Museum that it will indeed build a large manufacturing plant in southeastern Wisconsin. The Wall Street Journal reported earlier that Wisconsin was in the lead in the competition to lure Foxconn and that an announcement could come this week. That announcement will, sources tell me, be Thursday afternoon in Milwaukee. A financial incentives package with Foxconn is close to being finalized, but an agreement has been reached on general terms. I'm told that Foxconn may not be ready to name a specific site, but attention remains focused on southern Racine County along I-94. The Wall Street Journal report said Foxconn would use the Wisconsin plant to manufacture high-end display panels for TVs and other devices. Earlier reports said the plant could employ as many as 10,000 workers that... From Belling.com, Mark broke that story exclusively yesterday afternoon. I have long ago learned to believe that if Belling reports it and it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I'm truly amazed at how many scoops, how many big deals this guy is able to break. We are truly blessed to have uh, an investigative reporter of his quality, his, his caliber on this staff. And I mean that. I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke up his butt. Chances are he's not listening to me (laughs) since he's still at home, I think. Um, But the point is that he is first to report it. I love how, uh, by the way, when the Journal Sentinel is forced to admit that Belling got it, they they don't link to his story, which is common practice. It's common courtesy in the media. Nor do they say what station he works for. They just say, well, local conservative talker Mark Belling reported. Give me a break. He scooped you. It's okay. Everybody's going to know the story eventually on Thursday. This is a massive development. I don't think it comes as much of a surprise. There was some talk that Foxconn was negotiating maybe in the beginning stages with the state of Michigan, maybe Ohio. It wanted to be in the upper Midwest, but the negotiations always focused on Wisconsin. In terms of the number of jobs and the good-paying jobs, we're constantly talking about, in this state, how we need good-paying jobs. Walker, where are the jobs? Where are the jobs? Well, now, Governor Walker was the point man on negotiating a tax-break deal. And, yes, I know the left is going to say, well, this is just more corporate welfare. This is just Governor Walker giving money to, to billionaires. This is how the game is played, sadly. Would that it were governments did not have to give major tax incentives to businesses to relocate or to expand operations in a state. Would that it were that cities didn't have to essentially build sports arenas to keep teams in town. This is it. There is intense competition for these plants, for these professional sports teams, for any major employer. And therefore you have to spend... A relatively significant amount of money to make money. The generation, though, of 10,000 jobs. Think about that. 10,000 people paying state income taxes. A corporate income tax... Uh, some that is coming into the state. All of the associated businesses that will go up around a plant that employs 10,000 people. This is nothing short of a major victory for Wisconsin, a major victory for Scott Walker. And uh, tongue-in-cheek, I can now report that after this meeting on Thursday, every Democrat running for governor in 2018 will drop out of the race on Friday. 10.53, it's the Dan O'Donnell Show. Dan Donald Show, News Talk, 1130 WISN. Very quickly, Matt and Muskego, you're on WISN. Hi, Dan.
4: How Great are you doing, Matt? your show. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, they, what a lot of people don't realize is that there's a, a factor of three to four times uh, for every manufacturing job uh, multiplier effect in the economy. So, Although it may seem that we're making a huge investment up front here to, to secure these jobs, the the payoff really is in the long term. Yes, it so is. We'll not only benefit from the manufacturing jobs and the infrastructure and all the work that we'll be doing uh, right up front, but we'll also be benefiting from all the service jobs and the, uh, the multiplier effect for a long, long time from now. So we shouldn't remain short-sighted and in a deal like this this is the big kahuna
0: i mean this is a this yes is it a is hey i'll plan. tell you what matt you have a great call we are completely out of time for this edition of the dan o'donald show thank you for sharing your calls yeah all the mcdonald's wendy's hotels uh residential neighborhoods that will go up around this thing this is huge 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 for wisconsin rush limbaugh coming up next news talk eleven thirty 30 with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere